Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday as we wrap up, thank goodness, another week. TGIF all the way. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. All of those accounts this week, I mean, they're always on fire. But this week, with so much breaking news coming at us, including Donald Trump on CNN, we're going to get to that today. Um, and the border, we're also going to get to that today. And the Biden crime family and hard evidence that we're now beginning to see about their extreme corruption. We're also going to get to that today. We've got so much going on. My social media accounts have been jumping off the page (laughs) this week. So if you're not already following me, Get with the program, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. Uh, President Trump actually retruthed a couple of my things the other day after his CNN town hall, which was a total triumph. Uh, he retruthed a couple of my, my things. And so you definitely want to be on True Social. Definitely follow him. Definitely follow me. There are so many great people up there as well. 
A few housekeeping things just to kick off the show today. Number one, I wrote a column about Donald Trump's triumphant return to CNN, the lion's den of fake news. I wrote a column for Newsweek, which appeared yesterday on the Newsweek website. So you can go to newsweek.com and find it there. But I've also posted it on Twitter, True Social and my Instagram page. So please go check out that column. It's a great column. President Trump loved it. I'm happy to say, um, you know, I've been so focused on this show that I haven't done a lot of writing recently, haven't done a lot of op-eds, but Newsweek asked me to do this literally Wednesday night at like 930 after Trump uh, was still on the stage, by the way. So I knocked it out and it's a great piece. So please go check that out. The other thing that I want to call to your attention is that I did a long conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy, who is running for the Republican nomination for president. He is a friend. He is fantastic. He's brilliant. He's talking about so many critical issues with regard to big tech, censorship, DEI in corporate America, so many critical issues. He's making a major contribution to this race. You all know that I'm supporting President Trump. Um, It doesn't matter in the context of the conversation that I had with Vivek. Um, It is phenomenal. We spent an entire hour talking about China and U.S. relations with China as it has evolved over the last like 50 years and how we got to this place where the CCP is our number one adversary. So we talk about Nixon Kissinger. We talk about Dean Acheson and Harry Truman. We talk about Joe Biden and the depth of his corruption and how deeply compromised he is. Joe Biden is a controlled asset of the CCP. So we talk about all of this and where we go from here in terms of trying to take on this major adversary. It is a fascinating, wide ranging conversation with Vivek and he posted it up on his podcast. He launched a podcast to support his uh, presidential campaign, but I joined him. It was just a brilliant, brilliant talk. We have also posted it in my podcast feed. So wherever you get this podcast, you can go as a special treat from me to you. You can easily access it here through my podcast feed as well. We posted it a couple of days ago. So it is up there. And just over the weekend, you know, you got some time, 45 minutes to an hour. Just go listen to Vivek and me talk about China. You will absolutely love this conversation. I promise you. It's an important one. You need to know what's going on. But you'll also be just amazed at the back and forth between Vivek and me. Also, I want to say, speaking of Vivek, he is going to be on this show next week. I can't wait. Now, he is running for president, so hopefully the schedule holds, but we are planning to have Vivek Ramaswamy on this show toward the end of next week. And that's going to be great because, yes, of course, we'll talk about China, which we just did on his show. Um, But we're going to talk about so many other things. And we're going to talk about the 2024 campaign. We're going to talk about corporate America with DEI and the corporate governance structure and Anheuser-Busch and Dylan Mulvaney. And we're going to talk about so many things with Vivek, including foreign policy, but also domestic policy, the border, you name it. You're not going to want to miss a second of this show. 
I promise you. So make sure you tell everybody. All right. Today, we've got so much coming at us. I do want to say, coming up here in a couple of minutes, we're going to speak to one of the very first whistleblowers to come forward on Joe Biden and the Biden family corruption. Mike McCormick is going to be with us. He was the first one to come forward. He actually served as Biden's stenographer in the Obama White House. Can you imagine that job? I mean, Joe Biden is so, he was senile back in 1972. Okay. Can you imagine trying to be a stenographer? Well, this guy, Mike McCormick, he was in the middle of everything because he was there to record everything for the historical record, for the National Archives. So he saw and heard a lot. And he has now come forward at great risk to himself, like all of these whistleblowers on Joe Biden and Hunter and the rest of them. And he's going to tell us his story. He's going to tell us exactly what he saw and what he heard and what he has been reporting to prosecutors and to Congress. Not to be missed coming up on this show in just a couple of minutes. First, though, the Monica memo. Invasion. We have been undergoing and experiencing an unprecedented invasion on our southern border, our northern border too, but that gets less attention, on the southern border now for two and a half years since Joe Biden became president and lifted all of the successful policies by President Trump to enforce our border and to try to gain some kind of handle over our illegal immigration problem in this country. By the time Donald Trump left office, we had solved the problem. He had solved the problem. That doesn't mean that illegals weren't still able to get into the country. Of course, we've got long borders on both sides. We've got wide open ports, etc. So yes, there will always be some illegal immigration into the country because there will always be pockets of availability and openness in this country. We are a free country. We're not North Korea. But Donald Trump got a major handle on this and essentially solved the problem simply by enforcing the laws on the books enforcing the border, deporting those who should not be here. Again, everybody, of course not. But he had started to make a dent in the problem. And the critical element of all of Trump's policies with regard to illegal immigration and the border was deterrence. Because people around the world knew that our border was being enforced We were enforcing the laws that already exist, that if by some miracle they got into the country illegally, there would be consequences. So therefore, don't even think about coming. And because of that, because of that deterrent effect, Trump was able to control the border to a great, great extent, drive down the number of illegal immigrants coming into this country and dealing with them in an effective way. The deterrent effect was sending a signal to everybody, don't even think about coming here because in the unlikely event that you can get in, you're not going to be able to stay. So don't come in, don't bring your family members, don't even think about setting up shop illegally in America. You want to come here? Great. There's a legal pathway to do it. Happy to have you, but you got to do it the right way. So Trump succeeded in actually wrangling this whole chaotic illegal immigration system and got it down to a reasonable 
rhythmic, systematic process and system. Biden comes in and because orange man bad, reversed everything. And by reversing and overturning all of these successful policies, only because Trump did it, number one, and number two, because all of this is by design, they want to flood the country with illegal immigrants, flood the zone, and tip the country in a completely different direction so that you get these people on a path to citizenship, meaning they can vote, and ultimately you get a permanent Democrat voting majority. You never again get a Republican president. You never again get a Republican Congress. Forget it. Because every state now is a border state. And all of these illegals are being shipped into every state, particularly red states, in order to tip the political balance to get us to a one-party system. Sure, there'll be like a remnant of a Republican Party, but it won't have any kind of power or authority or voice It'll be like a small little yapping dog in the corner. It will be a one-party system. Do you know what that's called? Communism. I have been preaching this now for years. Early on, everybody laughed at me. Oh, communism, Monica, forget it. You're crazy, girl. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what the objective has been. And once they get the one-party system here in America, and you see what it does, all you have to do is take a look at California And New York, Oregon, Washington State, Illinois, these states are in collapse because the smart people and the smart money are all moving out. And so all you got left are the dregs of society and the progressives. So they want to live in their own filth and their own high tax nightmare. Knock yourself out. High crime. Knock yourself out. San Francisco, California. Portland, Oregon, etc. But the problem now is that they want that for every state. They want to flood the zone so much with so many millions of illegals and get them on a track to voting that every state looks like a shithole like California. There will be no escape. This is what they want. And then once they achieve that for all 50 states in the union, then they have their eyes set on what Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, the, the transnational globalists want, which is a one world government. You see, they have to knock over the United States because we're the biggest obstacle to that one world vision. They got to knock us over in order to achieve that. And guess what? They're well on their way. The wide open border is a critical part of that overall agenda. Don't you see? You can't have a one-world government if everybody's got enforced borders. You've got to erase the borders. That's what this is about. This isn't just, oh, Biden's incompetent and hates Trump, so we just reverse what he... uh, No, guys, keep your eyes on the much bigger picture here. This is what this show is all about. This is what we bring you, the much bigger picture, okay? So for the last 842 days since Biden took office... We have had 6.3 plus million illegal immigrant encounters by Border Patrol and ICE. Okay, so the official number is 6.3 million interactions, but you know the number is much higher than that. This is the official number. Come on. It's probably closer to 8 million illegal immigrant encounters 
what qualifies as an encounter. Somebody at Border Patrol is literally apprehending someone and putting them into the system to be processed, right? Well, we also know that there have been millions of gotaways that have no interaction with the system whatsoever. So we're probably looking at, mm, I don't know, in the last two and a half years, 10 million coming in, either interacting or not, just melting into the country, 10 million in two and a half years. This is an educated guess, but it's pretty educated. Meanwhile, the president, air quotes, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who, by the way, is Cuban-American. He ought to be ashamed of himself. Most Cuban-Americans are very conservative, and they are appalled by what has gone on here. Not Mayorkas. Mayorkas is like, hey, like bring him in like a drunken sailor. And only now, 842 days after Biden took office and we've had the, this insane invasion. Only now is Mayorkas saying, quote, traditional immigration enforcement has now started at the southern border. It's such bullshit. I'm sorry for the profanity, but there's no other way to to summarize this. This is complete bullshit. Oh, now they're concerned. Now they're putting in um, asylum restrictions and so on. And now they're getting serious. Come on. The only reason they're, first of all, they have no intention of enforcing any of this. The only reason that they're putting these statements out is because there's an election coming up next year. And the pictures that the mainstream media, the propaganda press continue to try to bury, but they they can't because now, now that Title 42 is lifted at midnight Now, guess what? Tens of thousands of people streaming into this country every single day. They're not going to be able to ignore it. And in fact, Democrats like New York Mayor Eric Adams, Eric Adams is screaming. He's trying to get, you know, I mean, he's he's a sanctuary city in New York, just like San Fran and, and Seattle and Portland and the rest. They're sanctuary cities. So you want it, you got it. In New York now, Eric Adams is like screaming at Washington, I need help. I need more money. It's straining the city's uh, resources. Well, die. What do you think border towns have been dealing with this whole time? Come on. Oh, but that's okay because those are red states. Arizona, Texas, who cares? Well, now it's on their doorstep. And these Democrats, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Adams in New York and others, they are now freaking out because it's a huge drain on their resources, money, hospitals, schools. Yeah, you go into an emergency room in one of these cities and you as a taxpaying American citizen, now you've got to wait because there are hundreds of illegals in there with stubbed toes, cut arm, whatever it might be. They're in front of you now. And I'm not saying deny healthcare to people from a human basis, but now you are way down the totem pole. You're way down the ladder. This is America last, not America first. Okay. So let's take a quick break because I've gone on here for 20 minutes on this because I'm incensed. Let's hit a quick break. When we come back more on this. I got to cover the border. I'm sorry. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to deal with the Biden family corruption with Mike McCormick, a a major, major whistleblower in all of this. But I got to do more on the border here because the, the 
pictures that we're seeing now that title 42 has been lifted absolutely insane this is madness and it's all being done on purpose sit tight okay everybody listen up we all want to be healthier right well to get there we have to have a healthier diet which is not always easy to do i can attest to that you know that shredded lettuce in a double double And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys. And you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. Um, More on the border. We've got Mike McCormick coming up here in just a few minutes. The White House, the administration, now they're claiming that they're quote unquote serious about enforcing the border. They are not. Do not listen to anything they say. This is going to continue going because remember, four years under Donald Trump, where he gained effective control over the border and over the system and had the problem largely solved, they look at that as four years of lost time. So this is why you have seen now with all deliberate speed, you have now seen the Biden administration just throw open the border. And this is why you have seen millions of illegal immigrants coming in because they have to make up for the four years where Trump had control over the situation. Jam as many people in as possible. And this is exactly what they're doing. So along with all of the illegal immigrants comes all of the attendant problems. Strain on our resources, hospitals, schools, etc. Move you to the back of the line for all of the services that you pay for with your tax dollars and need. You're now at the back of the line. And in fact, in some cities, you're seeing African-Americans show up to city councils, town councils, showing up to protests, because now for all these services, they're way in the back of the line. They're American citizens. They pay taxes for the most part. They're way in the back of the line. And these illegals are now in the front. So now you see what's happening. There's an interesting dynamic going on. And that's why you're seeing, you know, it's not a lot, but it's still important. You're you're seeing black Americans now starting to take another look at the Republican Party and certainly Donald Trump. Donald Trump got a pretty substantial percentage of the black vote. Not heavy duty, 
you know, but it takes a long time to turn the Titanic around, <laughs> right? Turn the ship around in the middle of the ocean takes a lot of time, but it's beginning to happen. And this policy where you've got uh, law-abiding Latinos who are here legally, black Americans paying their taxes, and now they're all being shoved to the back of the line, they're not happy, nor should they be. So it could very well be where the Biden administration believes that they're flooding the country with new potential voters down the line, but making cracks with their former constituencies. And that, that could be one of the great ironies, unintended consequences, right? Not sure they're thinking this through all the way. Um, and again, this is not going to happen overnight, but it, it is starting to happen where you got some cracks in the Latino and black vote for Democrats, where their eyes are being opened now because of the direct impact on their lives. So you've got all these millions of illegal immigrants in the country drained on our resources, spiking crime, where illegals are committing crimes, uh, the original crime, of course, of breaking into the country, but also murders, rapes, theft, you name it. It's all happening. And then, of course, there is the drug issue. According to the DEA administrator Ann Milgram, Mexican cartels, quote, are responsible for virtually all of the fentanyl and meth that are in the U.S. today. It's not coming from anywhere else. It's coming via the drug cartels. When it comes to a lot of these drugs, including fentanyl, the precursor chemicals are made in China. So the CCP has all of these uh, Trojan horses, all of these threats. And by the way, it's not just Mexicans or Central and South Americans coming in. You have people from all over the world coming in. Islamic majority countries, so... We've had hundreds of people come in over the last two and a half years who are on the terrorist watch list. We have thousands of Chinese nationals coming in. In fact, year over year, the number of Chinese nationals coming into the country is over a thousand percent. Trojan horses and infiltration. And on the drug issue, all of the fentanyl meth in the U.S. today coming from the cartels who are making what, billions of dollars a week through human and drug trafficking. Overdoses driven by fentanyl poisoning are now the leading cause of death for Americans 18 to 45 years old. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz told Congress the government does not have operational control of the border. The cartels do. How do you like that? Can you imagine during the Cold War, if we had presidents who allowed the Soviets to have operational control over our border? These are enemies of the United States, and they're controlling our border. According to Chief Ortiz, cartels are, quote, dictating how, when, and where migrants cross the border in order to occupy border patrol and smuggle in deadly drugs. And over 1.3 million gotaways have gotten into the country since Biden took office. This is beyond a crisis the fact that House Democrats like Hakeem Jeffries, who took over for Nancy Pelosi, the fact that he and others would insist that this crisis is just fictional is shameful and disgusting, but it's all by design. So, of course, they're spinning it, lying to your face. This is how much respect they have for you. They continue just to lie from the White House podium. Corrine Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Mayorkas, they, they just... They got zero respect for you. 
they hate your guts and they hate America and America's guts, which is why they're trying to transform it in this way. Donald Trump is making all of these videos on policy issues. And I want to get to a CNN town hall here in just a second, but he's making these important videos on policy. And he did one yesterday, and I want to bring it to you. It's very brief, but it talks about Biden's dereliction of duty, really Biden's treason, in terms of keeping a wide open border and allowing the United States to be invaded. Listen to Trump. With today's termination of the final remnants of Title 42, Joe Biden has officially abolished what remained of America's borders and turned the United States into a dumping ground for illegal aliens from all over the world. We've become a third world nation. At this very moment, illegal aliens are lined up by the tens of thousands ready to break into our country, knowing that even if they are caught, Joe Biden will order them immediately released into American communities. And many of these people are very dangerous. Under Biden, our border is gone. Our sovereignty is gone. Our national security is gone. And we are quickly becoming that third world nation that I've been talking about for so long. It's happening to us, if you can believe that. The United States of America is now a third world nation. On day one of my new administration, I will end this travesty and restore the sovereign borders of the United States of America. We will immediately resume expedited removals of people that are crossing illegally our border and following the model of President Eisenhower, we will use all necessary federal, state, local, and military resources to begin the largest domestic deportation effort in American history, to send the border violators back to their home countries, and we will do that immediately. This invasion will not stand. Our country is being invaded. Our country is being destroyed by very, very stupid people. These are stupid people. We have to get them out. We have to take back the White House. Thank you very much. Of course, he's exactly right the way he's right about pretty much everything here. And to see all of this thrown into reverse after all of his hard work for four years to gain control over this immigration system is really heartbreaking. But it's also, it causes so much outrage because it's changing the nature of our country. Mayor Adams is talking about closing down streets in New York, New York City, which has enough problems with congestion, closing down streets because of these illegals and putting up tents in Central Park. You know, maybe that needs to happen for these left-wing voters who continue to vote for this crap in places like New York City. Maybe turning their cities into shitholes is what they need to get their intention Because every once in a while, people in blue cities and states will hit a wall. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is what needs to happen. I'm not confident about that because people will walk over homeless. People will walk around these illegal immigrant tents and just go about their daily business. Oh, we need to have compassion. All right. So maybe this is not it. But I mean, when you start putting homeless and illegals on their doorsteps, maybe that's what will get their attention. I don't know. I don't know. People will vote against their self-interest just to stick it to the other side. Leftists treat their ideology like it's a religion. And we'll get more into that, you know, down the road here. But all of this is just, it's a deliberate implosion of the country.
There was one piece of good news that happened over the last day or so, which is that a federal judge has barred the Biden administration from enacting policies to release in mass these illegal immigrants without setting court dates. So what the Biden administration wanted to do was if U.S. Customs and Border Patrol were struggling to accommodate this mass influx of illegals that we're seeing right now, that they could release them by the tens of thousands from custody on parole. But what you're seeing is as soon as they come in and they're put into the system, they're given a DHS packet of where to go and what to do. They're given a cell phone, but in many cases, which you're paying for, but in many cases, their court dates are not until 2027. Four years down the line, you think that these people are going to show up four years from now? They're not going to show up one week from now. Once they're in the country, they're in the country. So the Biden administration just wanted to release tens of thousands of people a day all across the the country, like I said, including red states all over the place. They want these people seated everywhere with their taxpayer-funded cell phones and you know, a court date well into the future. Well, what they wanted to do now that you've got this invasion on steroids happening is just release them without a court date. Just let them go in the country. But Judge T. Kent Wetherell said last night that the administration has to wait two weeks before implementing that plan because he put in a judicial restraining order. This comes as a result of Florida, thank God for Florida. The attorney general there, Ashley Moody, she challenged the policy in court. She sued the Biden administration, saying that it was effectively the same approach as a policy that this same judge had already rejected in March. So um, we do have like a two-week breather, courtesy of this judge, to put a stop to just the mass release of these illegals. And the administration is going to have to find a way to put them up somehow. But all of the facilities are already jam-packed and overflowing. So I I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. But a lot of these people make a break for it once they're in the country and they just disappear. It's just unbelievable. It's it's heartbreaking. It's outrage-inducing. They are changing this country. This is what Barack Obama meant when he talked about the fundamental transformation of the nation. This is exactly what he meant, along with so many other things with economic policy and the rest. They're moving us to a communist system. And you better pay close attention to this, okay? Doesn't help that we have a completely corrupt, controlled asset sitting in the Oval Office, And when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, one of the very first whistleblowers on the Biden family corruption. He's got an unbelievable story. So you're going to want to sit tight for that. First, though, guys, as we talk about, you know, all of this implosion is happening economically as well with the massive debt, annual deficits through the roof, higher taxes, crazy regulation. They're trying to overwhelm the economy in order to implode that as well. This is Cloward and Piven, straight up. And so while we all try to navigate that, I want you to focus on the one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times, and that's gold. And now you can own it 
in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part is, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand throughout the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? We don't know. So protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. So text Monica to 989-898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text Monica to 989-898. We'll be right back. Well, as you guys know, we have been all over the Biden family corruption, the depths of which I think we're only beginning to start to see, uh, courtesy of on the Senate side, Senators Grassley and Johnson, and on the House side, uh, Chairman Jordan and Comer and House Oversight, who have been all over the Biden family corruption and really beginning to excavate the facts and the truth about how Joe Biden leveraged his positions as senator, vice president, and God knows what he's doing now as president of the United States um, to sell out the country for his own benefit and the benefit of his family. It's just, it's mind boggling when you think about it. And we have been all over this, as you know. Today, I wanted to bring you a very special and important conversation with someone who saw this corruption firsthand and has now very bravely come forward to tell us and the rest of the world about it. Mike McCormick served as Joe Biden's stenographer in the Obama-Biden White House during that regime. Um, And I cannot even imagine being a stenographer to Joe Biden, who, as I said, was senile back in 1972. I can't imagine trying to record everything that Joe Biden says and does. But we will talk to our guest about that. Mike McCormick also publishes a substack called Midnight in the Laptop of Good and Evil, which, of course, refers to Hunter Biden's laptop. So please check out that substack. And he's got a new book called Joe Biden Unauthorized, which you can find find as, as well as so many other pieces of information here at JoeBidenUnauthorized.com. And he joins us now. Mike, welcome. Thanks, Monica. It's great to be with you. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I just want to say, you know, for anybody who doesn't understand what being a whistleblower entails, especially when you're involved in blowing the whistle on potentially illegal or and or unethical behavior in the federal government, it takes a lot. There are all kinds of protections and procedures for whistleblowers. But particularly when you're blowing the whistle on alleged corruption of the sitting president of the United States, it takes enormous courage and bravery to step forward and do it. And I just want to give on the behalf of my entire audience, give you our thanks and our praise and our gratitude. Well, thanks, Monica. You know, I hear on social media and in my Substack comments a lot from people, they say they're praying for me, and I appreciate that. I'm not worried about being a whistleblower against Joe Biden. I'm just telling the truth. I can't get in legal trouble for telling the truth. And God is my editor. 
So I believe that, you know, I've looked through the Hunter Biden laptop and I don't really have a sense of what I'm looking for and things just appear to me. And that's what I put in my Substack. And as I find the evidence piling up, it's clear Joe Biden is a corrupt president. He's an actually he's an evil man, in my opinion, and he's going to be impeached, in my opinion. Well, from your lips to God's ears, we all hope. And uh, we know that these investigations are ongoing, particularly on the House side, but on the Senate side as well. Um, and DOJ and FBI are completely corrupted. And that's why they've been burying this Hunter Biden case for five years now. Um, and certainly Joe Biden, you know, he's the sitting president, so he can't be indicted, but he can be impeached. So let's talk about what you saw and what you experienced when you were Joe Biden's stenographer. First, Mike, tell us, what is a stenographer for the sitting vice president at the time? What did you do? Well, I was a White House stenographer in the press office. I started there in 2002. I worked through the Bush years till about 2007, left for a, a short time to do a nonprofit job in Richmond, Virginia. And then I came back uh, when the economic downturn hit. I lost that job. And came back in 2010. I worked one year primarily for President Obama. And then the rest of the time, I worked for Joe Biden. Joe Biden. And then I worked one year for President Trump. So I've worked with three presidents. I'm an independent, registered independent. I don't have a strong political affiliation one way or the other at the time. Now I do. And, uh, and I'm conservative. But there's nothing wrong with that. What I did in my job was... We were assigned to be the official record keepers of what was said between White House officials, the president, the vice president, the press secretary and the press. So whenever the press had an interview or there was a a presidential speech, there had to be recording of it. It was given to our office or we recorded it. So that meant if there was traveling on an airplane like Air Force Two or Air Force One, there was a stenographer there when the press was interviewing the president or the press secretary on the plane. So I did a lot of travel with the White House. I traveled a lot with Joe Biden. I went to Russia. I went to China. I went to Ukraine and all around the world with him and found basically on the surface that he was doing what he was supposed to do. It was only after I was given a copy of, of the Hunter Biden laptop about two years ago in the fall of 2021 by Garrett Ziegler, who leads the anti-corruption nonprofit Marco Polo. And he had worked for um, President Trump, and he had a copy. And he said, Mike, I've read your book. Uh, Joe Biden authorized the name of the book. He said, Mike, I read your book, and you have to have a copy of this laptop and see what's in there. And so he gave it to me, no strings attached, we are collaboration. We collaborate on um, information, but we don't really I don't work for him. What I do is I take what I find. I put it in my Substack, as you said, midnight in the laptop of good and evil. And the evidence I found is mounting. And about a month ago, uh, big news hit that, you know, I put in my Substack. I've put in a witness tip to the FBI that I witnessed a crime occur on Air Force Two between Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan, now uh, Joe Biden's um, national security advisor, national security advisor. And that tip went to the FBI. They haven't done anything. It's just like you said, they're they're stonewalling this investigation. So I went to the media with it. The media's got the story out. And so now the pressure's on and the pressure's mounting. The Oversight Committee came out with their evidence the other day. There'll be a lot more coming. 
You know, what makes your story so important here, Mike, is that you were a direct eyewitness to these conversations and to these statements and to these behind-the-scenes machinations. Um, so you were an unimpeachable witness here because you were right there and you're non-political, as you said. Jake Sullivan, who is Biden's current national security advisor, was hip deep in the Russia hoax to target Donald Trump and try to bring down Donald Trump with all of these lies that he was a Russian asset. What exactly did you see happen between Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan back in those vice presidential days? Well, what happened was I was on Air Force Two. Um, We were flying into Ukraine for Joe's first trip to there after the Crimea annexation by Vladimir Putin in April 2014. We were on the plane, April 21st, 2014. And Joe was flying in there with a lot of assistance, emergency assistance for Ukraine. None of it was war material. It was all basically money. And then they had this energy assistance. Well, part of the energy assistance was structured intentionally to benefit Burisma Holdings. At the time, no one on the plane knew that Hunter Biden was already on the board of Burisma Holdings. Joe Biden knew. I don't know if Sullivan knew or not, but what Joe Biden did was he assigned Jake Sullivan to come back to the press and explain to the press what he was going to do in in Ukraine. One of the press asked a question, uh, what's the energy assistance package you're bringing? And Sullivan answered, and part of the answer was, they're bringing a lot of assistance for Ukrainians fracking ministry that directly benefited Burisma. That's the crime of public corruption. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden was using his office to benefit his family. His son was on the board and Jake Sullivan was the messenger for that. And he's been covering it up ever since. That's a conspiracy. They're both criminals. And Hunter Biden was on the board on the 18th, three days before he took a train to New York appeared on the Morning Joe show with Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski and then made a conference call with the Ukrainian officials for Burisma and joined their board. And Joe Biden knew that. It's just stunning. So now we're not just talking about Joe Biden and his family engaged in this corruption knowingly, trying to hide it from everybody else. But what you're saying is Jake Sullivan, again, the current national security advisor, who is advising the corrupt president on foreign policy decision making, was also part and parcel of this corruption with regard to Ukraine in particular. But anything else that you're aware of, the CCP? Um, Well, you know, we'll go one step further with the corruption. It goes up to Barack Obama. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because we're widening the net here. So obviously Biden was Obama's vice president. I believe now we are going through Obama's third term because I think he and Michelle and their whole crew are running the show right now. Certainly Biden is not. Tell us what you know about what Barack Obama knew about this corruption and when. Well, so. Hunter joins the Burisma board on the 18th of April, 2014. On the 16th of April, 2014, Joe Biden hosted Hunter Biden and his uh, Burisma board member partner, Devin Archer, in his West Wing office. There's pictures of of Devin Archer being there. The cover story was we were going there for a book report with my son. But Hunter wasn't he, he doesn't show up in the White House visitor logs for that day because as a family member, he gets buzzed through the White House gate without needing to sign in. 
So he can come in sort of under the cover. And so he meets with Joe that afternoon. That's when they discussed about what's going on with Burisma. That night, Joe Biden was in a long solo meeting with Barack Obama in the back of the presidential limousine where they were riding around in western Pennsylvania. It's very rare for the two of them to travel in the same limousine. But Joe Biden, being Joe Biden, not a smart guy, always trying to get the word out about how great he is, took a selfie of him and Obama in the back of this limousine on April 16, 2014. And then there's a White House photo that has the two of them standing next to this limousine on the tarmac of Pittsburgh Airport, same day. They had a long meeting. This is the day that Joe Biden has been talking to his son about Burisma. Joe's about to go to uh, Ukraine with a bunch of energy assistants. Barack Obama knew. Jake Sullivan knew. They knew what Joe was up to. They were putting him up to it. And that's why Barack Obama is part of it, too. Do you think Barack Obama was benefiting financially the way the Biden family was? I think Barack Obama was more. No, I don't. And I think more he was being used by Joe Biden. Barack Obama is a strange the behind the scenes in the White House. What I picked up early on was there was a big there's a cover story of this Joe Biden, Barack Obama bromance. But behind the scenes, there was a lot of tension between the two. And I think Joe Biden was actually leveraging his position as this old Washington workhorse to do things, put himself in front of the camera at all costs. And Barack Obama just sort of rolled over and let him. I mean, personally, I think Barack Obama at that time was more worried about his golf game than he was about world affairs. So you think Barack Obama knew that this was going on? looked the other way. So the Obama White House was complicit in this Biden Burisma uh, kickback scheme and the cover up. But you don't think that he personally benefited. I think he was more concerned about his legacy. You know, he was the Hollywood A-list president. So this was probably a little bit dirtier and beneath him in his mind. That's my impression of being around him. And we had people in our office who were very close to his inner circle. And You know, they just they didn't really Joe Biden was sort of a joke guy to them the whole time Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And, you know, he's doing this corruption and they're just sort of, okay, that's Joe being Joe. You know, a month after this flight into uh, Ukraine on April 21st, Joe Biden went to Romania and he went to Cyprus. Cyprus is the banking stronghold of Burisma. Romania is where he got in. He probably got in touch with this. Romanian uh, national who has since come out as a whistleblower. That's what Chairman Comer was talking about uh, two days ago. Yes. They have evidence. Well, that's when Joe went to Romania. Barack Obama would have known what he was doing. He doesn't. Joe Biden doesn't get to go and represent the White House without Barack Obama's sign off. He knew he was going to Romania. He knew he was going to Cyprus. Both areas are now mired in corruption with Burisma and this Romanian national accusation. So Barack Obama is up to his armpits in the same mess. It's just incredible. And now that we're seeing this hardcore evidence coming from Comer and House Oversight, that in fact, Biden and his family were leveraging his position in exchange for, yes, they were getting tens of millions of dollars from the CCP, Burisma, the Ukrainian uh, corrupt regime and so on. But the other part of the equation, Mike, is to influence policy. 
So these entities were not just shoveling money to the Biden crime family for no reason, for their health. They were obviously getting a payoff in return, which was the influence over policy. What policies can you tell us? Are there specific policies or even policy orientations that were changed during the Obama-Biden White House and certainly now when Biden is president? Do you think, and we can speculate here if we don't have concrete evidence quite yet, but what do you think changed in terms of American foreign policy because Biden was getting all of this money? Well, you know, that's that's the Democrats' defense. Joe Biden never changed policy for these things. And I think on that, they're right. He didn't change it. He originated the policy. In other words, this Burisma, he was the mastermind of this Burisma kickback scheme. And it started back in March. He went to Poland. One of the primary members of this Burisma kickback scheme is a guy named Alexander Kwasniewski. He was already on the board of Burisma in uh, March. He's an old friend of Joe Biden's. He's a former president of Poland. Joe Biden worked with Kwasniewski on NATO enlargement, bringing Poland into NATO back in the 90s. They're old friends. He goes to Poland. He's there to talk about energy security for Ukraine. I know, I would guarantee, he would have called his old friend Kwasniewski about Burisma. So they set this thing in motion well ahead of when he was on this plane on April 21st. So the Democrats are trying to claim that he didn't change policy at this point in time. Okay, he set it up that way. Burisma officials met with Hunter Biden in Lake Como, Italy, in late March of that year. And shortly thereafter, Hunter Biden had a meeting in the Naval Observatory with his dad and his dad's uh, strategy team uh, just a couple days later. So they're working on this series. It's a timeline to catch criminals. The timeline shows that Joe Biden started this. He put uh, Hunter in the middle of it. Hunter came back and became sort of the bag man pulling in the money. But Joe benefited under the table from it. And Barack Obama knew all along. And, they, and the benefit was this energy assistance for Burisma that had nothing to do with it. One of the uh, items that he had that they announced that Jake Sullivan pointed to was an energy sort of a, a reform program. Basically, they were providing insulation for new building, building better energy efficient buildings in Ukraine. That was called the Municipal Energy Reform Program. It was funded through USAID. That was put in place before they went on this trip. So that whole program was set up as a kickback scheme for Joe Biden. All right, we've got to hit this quick break, but we will be right back with so much more on the Biden family corruption. We're back with Mike McCormick. Do you have any sense that when Barack Obama was briefed on this and they were having these conversations that Obama turned around and said, knock it off? You know, because, look, Barack Obama was and remains a communist who has his eyes set, along with all of these globalists and these Marxists, to change the very fundamental nature of our country. And he was busy doing that. But Obama, as far as we know, was not engaged in this kind of dirty, kickback, bribery kind of stuff. Do you have any sense that at the time when Obama became aware of this stuff, that he told him to knock it off, stop it? Joe, you know, you're going to get us into a world of trouble here. Just stop it. 
Or did he just say, go along and continue doing what you're doing? Just don't get me dirty. No, he didn't do that. And, you know, furthermore, so this is kind of interesting. John Podesta was Obama's energy advisor. I just put something up on Twitter the other yesterday. My Twitter handle is at Joe Unauthorized. John Podesta on May 5th, 2014, walks in the White House briefing room and tells the gathered press there how great fracking is, how important it is that the American energy industry is thriving, that natural gas is a clean burning fuel and it's helping reduce carbon emissions. That's exactly opposite from what they were saying about six months later. But at that point in time, he's saying that he's the President Obama's counselor on energy and climate change at that point in time. And he's saying that in front of the press days before Hunter Biden is officially publicly named as being on this board of this gigantic Ukrainian fracking company. Obama knew all along he used other aspects of his White House to cover for the Bidens. It, it's just it's mind boggling. And I think if if we go down this road of Michelle Obama running for president, which I suspect might happen, and we're going to talk about that uh, later this week or next week on this show. I, I personally don't think she will. Tell me why. I, you know, I think she had a tough time in the White House behind the scenes. And Oh, that's right. You saw a lot of this. Tell us. I think she was a dutiful. She's a very smart person. She's a lovely woman. I really I like her a lot. She's always struck me as a very genuine person. She's a political asset. I mean, she's a Democrat. She's a political asset for the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you love her. If you're a Republican, you know, she's on the other team and she's good at what she does. But she's a good mom. And she always struck me as a lovely woman who really loves her children and speaks highly of her children and other children. She did a lot for kids in the White House. I don't think she got out of the way as I experienced what she wanted, the affirmation she wanted. And she knows what a horrific environment it is if you're a genuine person. And she doesn't, I don't think, want any part of that. I'd really be surprised if she wants to go back into politics. That's an interesting take. Um, Next week, we're going to talk to someone who has a completely different view. But again, you were there, you saw her, you interacted with her and, you know, you saw them behind closed doors, so to speak. So you have a very authentic view. I'll tell you a quick Michelle Obama story, please. Um, And this is in this is my first book. So uh, in 2011, we went down or 2012, early 2012 in the campaign season. She goes to a NASCAR race in southern Florida and gets booed roundly booed she and uh jill biden were on were on this trip and i was on the plane with them coming home and she did a quick speech did remarks jumps on the plane well they get on the plane and i'm sitting about six rows back but there's a curtain drawn between me and them so they're on the plane they're drinking wine and all of a sudden up on the screens comes an eddie murphy uh saturday night live skit where he's dancing around a hot tub in like this golden g-string bathing suit and they are laughing their heads off. They, it, was, it was like girls' night at Chippendales with Michelle Obama. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's the kind of person that I saw her as, a real sort of regular mom having a good time out with her friend, drinking some wine and watching Eddie Murphy dancing around a ba- uh, in a bathing suit. Well, you know, thank you for that story. I, you know, I tend to think she's more political than she lets on. But again, you know, you were there. So you're an eyewitness to all of this. And we appreciate your insights into that. 
if in fact they do pull the trigger and have her run, they remove Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, who clearly can't do this, and they decide that Michelle Obama is going to be the nominee, they're going to have to answer for all of these things that you've laid out in your book, Joe Biden unauthorized on your Substack, etc. right? About about being at least uh, knowledgeable and complicit in Joe Biden's deep corruption. That's exactly right. And that's why, you know, pulling Obama into the story is important. And that's that's what I've been doing is saying, look, this isn't just Joe Biden being corrupt and dirty. This is a whole White House conspiracy. And yes, she would be she probably knew she knew what Joe was doing. One of her best friends and the Joe Biden used to brag about that was Hunter Biden's wife. Uh, Kathleen. They used to go to Soul Cycle together and do spin classes all the time. Their daughters were very close. So she knew what was going on behind the scenes in the Hunter Biden household. She knew the terrible stuff he was up to. And they just kept their mouths shut about it. And that's what's waiting for her if she goes back in the White House. I really don't see her going back into that environment where she has to put up with all that behind the back ugliness that was really what Hunter Biden's life was all about. You know, when you think about the Biden administration right now, it's I suspect it's all being run by Barack and Michelle in various ways and certainly uh, via their henchmen. Now, Susan Rice just left the White House, but she was a foreign policy expert. And yet Biden put her in there in charge of domestic policy about which she knows nothing. So obviously she was one of the many conduits into that White House for Barack and Michelle. Um, and then Jake Sullivan, it's it's like the entire Obama crew is back running this White House like they ran the previous one um, under Obama. And that's why I think they're pulling all of these strings and they're trying to make up for the quote unquote lost time under Donald Trump. And if this is Obama's third term, it seems to me, Mike, that they're looking for a fourth and a fifth. And the way to do that most effectively is to run Michelle. I hope that I am wrong. I will like do an absolute dance (laughs) if I'm wrong, because if they run her, then the Republicans face a real challenge um, in terms of trying to counter her on the campaign trail, because she's just she's so iconic and she's immune to criticism and she's a woman of color and she's got the Obama machine. There are a million strengths that go along with her. So I hope that you are right um, based on your firsthand experience uh, with her that she was so sort of turned off by politics at that level that she wouldn't want to go back and do it full time. Yeah. And I, you know, I look at what Joe Biden is doing and you're right. This is definitely, I think this originated as what Barack Obama thought would be his third term, but it's become Joe Biden's mess. And that's what they're trying to figure out right now. And the mess is deepening every day with the revelations out of this laptop. And so behind the scenes, I think what you're seeing is Joe Biden is circling the wagons and the Barack Obama and the other sort of Democratic operatives that really sort of run the behind the scenes uh, movement of the party are trying to figure out at what point does Joe become expendable? And, and like you said, who do they who do they fix it with? Who do they fix this with? And I don't think there's going to be I don't think I think it's been a long, slow decline. They don't have much time. You know, it's not like the Republicans want to run out and impeach Joe Biden in a, in a month or two. They want to drag this out. And the longer they drag this out, the worse his poll numbers go. It's just a long, slow decline into irrelevance. And that's actually better for the outcome for everybody 
then a true, then a huge fight over an impeachment. And then, you know, this new face that becomes something. And the Democrats, you know, if they if they put Michelle Obama in, as you say, that's not a great I don't think she's a great candidate. She's a very good speaker. She has a great public persona, but she doesn't have any foreign policy experience. She would get crushed on the stage with Donald Trump in any uh, debate about that. She doesn't have any, you know, she doesn't have any sense of how to fix the border. She doesn't have a good sense of how to fix the crime, that crime waves are hitting the Democratic cities. So, you know, she would get crushed in a one-on-one debate with Donald Trump, who I think will wind up being the Republican nominee. I agree with you on that. And I, I hope that you're right about all of this with regard to Michelle. I will say two things. It doesn't matter if she doesn't know anything about certain issues because Democrats always have the protection of the press. So there will be no pressure on her to learn or do better or whatever. And the second thing is these leftists are really Marxists and we're going through a Marxist revolution. So all the things you laid out about the border and crime and cities collapsing this is what they want. This is being intentionally done. So it's not about fixing these issues. It's about keeping the chaos going so that they can destroy the country in order to rebuild it in a more Marxist kind of model. But anyway, that's a conversation for a different day. I hope you are right about Michelle. And let me ask you before we let you go, have you been in touch with Chairman Comer and Jordan and the Senate side, Grassley and Johnson and others on this. Have you been talking to Congress about your uh, your evidence and, uh, you know, what you're talking about here in terms of the corruption? I have nothing to report on that at this time. Uh, what I have been doing is I sat down and put together along with a filmmaker. There's going to be a documentary sort of on behind the scenes, a lot more information that I have. It's coming out soon. I'm not sure exactly when. We just filmed it yesterday. There's going to be revelations in there that if you despise CNN, there's going to be some serious revelations in there you'll definitely want to see. Oh, excellent. Oh, that's juicy, Mike. That's really juicy. Listen, we can't thank you enough for coming forward on all of this. And as far as I know, you were the very first whistleblower to come forward on the Biden family corruption. And I know it takes so much guts to do what you're doing. So God bless you for doing it, for standing up for what is right, for the facts, for the truth and for your country. Thanks, Monica. I really appreciate it. and appreciate the talk. It was a great talk. I'd love to do it again. Oh, we would love to have you back, especially as these investigations unfold. But thank you for doing your part, for blowing the whistle on a very, very corrupt president and his family. And the country is suffering as a result of what they have done. So we appreciate you so much. This is Mike McCormick. His new book is called Joe Biden Unauthorized and the 2020 Crack Up of the Democratic Party. Go get it. It's available wherever books are sold. And check out his Substack, which is Joe Biden Unauthorized up there on Substack for all of these details and much more. Mike, thank you so much. Yeah. And a quick, quick update on the book. It's actually not new. And it's actually only available on my website. Ah. Or if if you subscribe, if you're a paid subscriber to my Substack, I give you an autographed copy free. Oh, that is so, fantastic. What's the website again? The website is JoeBidenUnauthorized.com. 
And you can sign up with Substack there or you can buy the book there. And I, my first book is 15 Years of Deplorable, a White House memoir. That's on there, too. That has that story in there about uh, Michelle Obama. Love it. Love it. So again, the website, JoeBidenUnauthorized.com. You can get his book. You can also access his Substack. Really important stuff. Mike, thank you so much. Thanks, Monica. We'll talk soon. You bet. All right. So that's a wrap on today's show, uh, as well as a wrap on the week. Coming up next week, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to join us, uh, we hope, given his schedule. Also, we'll be joined by the phenomenal Lou Dobbs, who's going to break apart everything that's going on in only the way that Lou Dobbs can. And we're going to talk about Michelle Obama. I know I've been teasing that for a while. That is going to be all of these conversations next week are going to be shows that you are not going to want to miss. So please make sure you are tuned in and you're telling everybody you know to join the party here at the Monica Crowley podcast. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Have a fantastic weekend and I will see you right back here on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.